Hey, Everyday Heroes, this is Bert Botta. And you're going to be listening to How a Pilot Takes on the FAA, Beats Diabetes, and Helps to Change the Lives of All Diabetics in the Process. This is a story of a young man who overcame what used to be the kiss of death for a pilot, diabetes. Because of his own diabetes, his dream to fly became a nightmare. But partway through his flying career, when he discovered his own disease, he had to overcome his own self-doubts, fears, and physical challenges to change not only his own life as a pilot, but the lives of all diabetics everywhere and the FAA protocol for treating pilots with the disease. His story is how he had to prove to the FAA that he was not only fit to fly, but that he could remain safe and physically stable while doing so. His struggle to overcome the effects of diabetes went from his own battles with the disease to now helping young people everywhere have hope and a way to have a normal life as they live with the disease. His research and persistence became the basis for the FAA to change their protocol and the way they deal with pilots who are diabetic so they can remain in the cockpit. Pietro remains a flight instructor while he continues to pursue his dream of an airline job. Easier said than done these days, but if anyone can make hey, that happen, heroes, he can. So listen you and enjoy, heroes. Wants? If you can't come up immediately with the answer to that question, then pay close attention to my Everyday Heroes podcast series for golfs. That means guys over 50. And if you're not a guy over 50, or even if you're a gal, don't worry. There's going to be some very cool stuff here for both men and women. I've discovered answers to the kind of questions that every man has. And now I'm ready to help you put those answers to work in your life through these podcasts. If you take in what I have to share, it very well could change your life and help you do more than just push back the aging process. And my podcasts are mostly about aviation everyday heroes, but they're going to be a mix of women and men heroes just like you. So let's jump into this and see if what we talk about here helps bring out your own everyday hero. So you must have oh. some interesting stories. I, uh, I, I'm not quite sure, because you've probably told the same story a hundred times already. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. wondering how I could get you to tell me something different, but yet relevant to what you've been through and, and if, as far as your past, uh, past life as a pilot is about. Because you know? I don't want to just kind of regurg- have you regurgitate the same old stuff again. But yeah. if there's something you could tell me, like maybe challenges, some kind of a spin you can put on it to bring out the personal, because that's what I do with the podcast, is I dig into people's lives and bring out the personal aspect of it, because anybody can tell a story. But sure. when you dig into the story, there's always some human emotion kind of drift that um, makes a person stand out and attracts other people to that story. So sure. without, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. you know, I, I kind of said this in some of the interviews I did, but I, I, it was, it was, it became more than just personal. It was personal to me at, at some point where I knew that, you know, I could fly and I do it daily and I'm proving it. And it became to a point where it was bigger than just flying airplanes. It was, I, I was out to prove a point um, that this is something that is an obtainable goal, something that I wanted and I was going to do it. And I don't know, I didn't know what year it would be, how old I would be, but I told myself, damn it, I'm going to get to the end because there's nothing that's going to stop me. I know I'm healthy enough and I'm here to prove it. And so I basically gave it all and, and put all my chips in and, and then just went for it. I, I sent the FAA data in the blind. Um, you know, I created my own Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. I kind of just started my own thing 
and was able to fortunately work daily as a, as a pilot. So that definitely helped my case being a flight instructor. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if it wasn't for flying daily, I would have never been able to do that and prove that. And so, like I said, it was, it was, uh, it was a long, long road. But, you know, and I can't tell you that right away after I was diagnosed eight years ago that I was able to jump on the horse and say, all right, I'm going to do this because it took me a while. It, it, it knocked me down. I got back up and I, it took a lot of support from my family, uh, my close friends and, and, and whatnot. And uh, it, there were nights where I would sit up and just, just cry. I mean, I sound, it sounds crazy, but I would sit there and cry and just think to myself, why me? You know, out, yeah, of, all, yeah. out of all people, why, what did I do to deserve this? Did diabetes run, run in your family? No, and that's the thing. It was, my, you know, my grandparents had it in their older age, just from poor diet and exercise, obviously, but they had type two. Uh, and not type one. And so I, I, I would thought to myself, I have this huge family, obviously my name being Italian, my, my family is most of it's in Italy. My parents are here and my brothers and, uh, my, some cousins are here in the States, but the majority of it's in Italy. And I think of all these cousins I have, I think of all this family that I have and none of them have diabetes. And I think to myself, why the one person, not that I would wish it upon anybody, don't get me wrong, but, um, why out of all people in this family, it, it, it's me. You know, and then and then it took me a while to realize that I would ask myself these questions and cry myself to sleep sometimes um, as a 21, 22 year old. And uh, and then I realized that, you know what, I'm here to make a difference. And I do believe that I, I, I do believe that um, not to toot my own horn, but I, I do believe that I've made a difference for others. And, and that's really what I wanted. Like my, my big thing was I want these kids to have a chance. Right. Yeah. I wasn't diagnosed until I was 21. So I don't know what it was like to live an abnormal childhood. You know, I was able to eat pizza and cake when I was a kid. I didn't have to restrict myself and feel ill because of it. Um, and so I feel for these kids who are going through this at eight, nine, ten years old who have these dreams of doing whatever, not just becoming a pilot, but, you know, whatever they want to do. And the other day I got on the phone, uh, a Zoom call with uh, like 30 kids um, from the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Um, and, uh, you know, I did a call with them. I did a Zoom call and I was able to speak to a lot of them. And there were a handful in there that do want to be pilots. And they were, you know, the parents were on the call as well. And they were thanking me for, you know, uh, my work that I did with the FA to change this policy and, and work with them. And so that to me meant everything. And like I said, it wasn't just about me. It's no. about, it's about everybody to follow. And I'm just so happy that these kids have an incentive now, even to take care of themselves from when they're young, that, Hey, if you can take care of yourself, you can live a good, healthy lifestyle. If you want to be a pilot one day, that is definitely something that you, you will not be turned down to. You will, you will have a yeah. fair chance at this instead of just no, because you're diabetic. And that to me uh, meant more than just my medical. When I met the FAA in Washington, D.C., and I said, look, this isn't just about me anymore. At first, it started with, okay, how do I get my medical back? And now that I've learned and, and, and how the system is, and, and, or how it was, I should say, um, you know, how the system was made up, and it was a blanket no being on insulin, and this drug that was disqualifying uh, was a blanket no for everybody. When I came to find that out, I knew there was something that, that I could have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially being a flight instructor and knowing that, it's, it's not the easiest thing to get in an airplane to fly every day, especially if you don't own one yourself. And so I knew that I can use my job and the in-flight data that I use because I use a uh, continuous glucose monitor. In fact, I'll show you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen these before, but uh, this is what it looks like. Ah, okay. So this is a so continuous glucose. It's like a drip glucose. system? Yeah. It, 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 oh, it's, it's not so much a drip system. It's basically a, um, a sensor that inserts into your skin once every 10 days. And I wear it. It's like a band-aid almost. And... Uh, yeah, so this sends a Bluetooth signal to my phone, and each one of these dots represents every five minutes of my blood sugar reading. And what happens is that reading gets sent to a cloud automatically, and then I email those reports to the FAA. And so they're able to track me every five minutes of my, of my life. 
um, no. of what where my blood sugar is, where it's going, and then what I do is I'll show you. Um, and every time I get on the plane, I created a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. I email this spreadsheet to the FA, and, and the reason why this is so effective is because they see what I'm doing prior to takeoff, an hour in the flight, two hours in the flight, and then if you, I'll scroll over here and you'll see in the notes section if I ingested anything, if I ate anything during flight to keep myself stable. Uh-huh. So then this all gets emailed to the FA, and what it does is it tells you your blood sugar, but it matches my continuous glucose monitor, my sensor, and so it matches the report so they know I'm not lying. So here's my, my flight time here's what I'm doing that time of day, and here's how I'm proving that I'm stable in flight. And every time I log it, two, three, four flights a day, I log that on my Microsoft Excel spreadsheet so they know what, uh, you know what I was doing, not just when I'm at home right now, but also when I'm in flight and how I'm managing it in flight, what I'm doing to that. And you know actually, how closely monitor that? Yeah, and so they, they watch that, and every three months now I send them that data. And that was all, and initially that was sent to them uh, in the blind um, just to, uh, you know, because I, I had nothing to lose, right? I didn't, I didn't, with all due respect to career flight instructors, I have a lot of respect for them and I'm thankful there's people like that, but that wasn't my ultimate goal. And so I, I knew that if, you know, if I, I can't fly instruct anymore, then I'll switch careers at some point and I'll go do something else. But there were people that, the, that were suing the FAA. I don't know if you heard about this story or not, but there were people that were suing the FAA. One individual in particular was an American Airlines captain. Um, and he sued the FAA and I went for his court hearing in DC and I, I asked him, I said, Eric, uh, you know, why didn't you, um, you know, why didn't you send them your, cause he was re refusing to send them continuous glucose monitoring data like I did. And so I said, Eric, why, why you know, I looked at him in the eyes and I said, you know, what, what, I'm just did he have the same hookup as you do? Does he have the same what? Hookup. Did you have the same, uh, monitoring system? Yeah, and he did, and but he didn't. He refused to send it to him because the FAA never had a protocol. They never said you have to be between here and here. And so his fear was, and it was a legitimate fear. His fear was, if I send it in, they may deny me, and I don't even know why they denied me because there's no bar that they set. And I was on the other side of the fence saying, "Here's my deal. I, I know I'm I know I'm safe to fly. I do it every day. Here's here's this. Here's my continuous glucose monitoring data, and here's my my Excel spreadsheet to prove to you guys that I'm stable." And they just always said, "Thank you for the input. Thank you for the." Um, you know the information and whatnot and so they were very uh, Thankful that I was doing that because nobody else was and so actually they used my data um, When they certified every or when they created the protocol back in November I know it's my data because not because my name is on it But because that's my identical graph and I can pull that graph up to show that was me in flight And so then the whole Excel spreadsheet thing came out with uh, you know something similar they said uh, or a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet um, when they, when you guys send in your documents, we also want to see this. So this became part of the protocol. And so it just feels good to know that I made an impact and, and I was able to, to, you know, to, to prove my point and, 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 and show my stability in flight. Um, gotcha. so, so what yeah. if you get really busy in the cockpit, say you're flying along and there's moderate turbulence, you know, and you're flying in weather and you're going to get ready to shoot a 200 and a half approach to blowing snow at Cleveland. I mean, does that interrupt your process of keeping track? No. So the good news about this system is typically, you know, back in the day when they didn't have this kind of technology, this, this technology is a game changer. And, and truthfully, I wouldn't be here speaking to you if it wasn't for this technology, because this is really what turned the corner for diabetics in general, and not to mention for pilots that are, that are diabetic. Um, because here's why. If we were in that situation where you just described, and I had to prick my finger, Oh, um, you know, and draw some blood from my skin and take my hands away from, from what I'm doing here at the flight deck. And I had to draw, draw some blood, prick my finger, stick it in the machine, have it read my, my blood glucose. Not only would that be 
you know, I'd be task saturated with other things that would just add to my tasks. So that's not ideal on the flight deck as you know. Um, and so, uh, if I were to do that, not only does that take me away from what I need to be doing, but it also, um, it also doesn't tell me where my blood glucose is going. I could be at, for example, I could be at 80, which is fairly stable, but I can be at 50 in the next two, three minutes, but I wouldn't know it's coming because that's the old school technology of just prick your finger and then it would give you a reading where this technology tells you it's going there. So if I'm at 100 and I'm trending downward, I'm just going to pop a snack really quick. I'm going to eat something quickly, uh, a granola bar, or not even if, if I need something more rapid, there's what are called glucose tabs. And basically it's, it looks like a little chlorine tablet, but it's you know a little small little tablet and it's just glucose. It's four grams of sugar. And uh, so I can pop one or two of those and it just stabilizes me before I get to a point where I'm dangerous and I need to treat it and uh, take my, my attention away from flying. So that's how I'm able to manage in flight. This thing predicts where you're going, not before you're even there and tells you, hey, you're coming down, start to eat something now. And so what I do is I keep myself well in advance. I know where it's going, and I never have these problems in flight. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible technology. It really is. It's, 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 it's game-changing. So, um, yeah, I, I knew I could do it. You know, And the and, and thing is, is I fly daily with students who don't know how to fly, and that was part of my argument to the FAA. I said, you know, you guys allow me, and I'm thankful for it, to flight instruct. And it was one of the head scratchers that they had when I brought this conversation up to them when I met them the first time. Because I went up there and I was able to, I was able to meet the FA. Actually, I, I like you know people have four stories of the FA, and, and mine just wasn't like that. Yeah. Um, this guy I dealt with, uh, this this doctor I dealt with, um, very it, he was very understanding, and and, and uh, I had his direct line to his office or to his office, his desk line, and uh, him and I spoke over the years. We we communicated every month, every other month, and then when it got closer, we were talking every week. Um, and so we kept in touch. I met him twice. I set up another appointment to go meet him in Washington, DC when I went out for the court hearing and, uh, no, it was a good experience and I was able to keep in contact with him and I think they liked what I was doing. And so I think that's why they kept such close contact with me too, because they were able to see and, and use my data for their, for their protocol that eventually sure. was released. You were, you were a good poster boy for that process too. Yeah. I, I mean, I like to think so. I like to think so. I never had any hypoglycemic episodes in flight or any issues in flight. And, and they knew I was a stable diabetic and I worked hard to you know manage my, my, my blood sugars. And I was endorsed, in, uh, you know, from my, my doctors, my endocrinologist, my chief pilot at work. Man, like you say, this, uh, this is a real roller coaster ride. Uh, what kind of effect did this have on your personal life, Pietro? Did it have an effect on my personal yeah. life? Oh, big time. Yeah. Time. yeah. Yeah, it did. It, uh, it really did. It was the diagnosis in the beginning was the hardest part because you're 21 years old. You're not understanding anything. You're not understanding how you got this. It's not like you ate a bunch of sweets and, and got diabetes. It's, it's not like that. You know, it was, it was kind of the luck of the draw. Unfortunately, it was, uh, you know, a genetic and not that anybody else in my family had it, but I, I carry that gene apparently. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really hard for me in the beginning. It definitely had an effect on my personal life. I had to stop training, um, going to flight school, uh, twice because I got misdiagnosed. I don't know if you're aware of that. They originally diagnosed me with type two and I got a first class medical back after six months of stabilizing myself. And then they came back and said, no, it's type one. And I lost my medical again, had to stabilize for six months in the middle of my training. And so it was just a roller coaster of emotions and a roller coaster of time. And it was just really hard because my parents aren't rich and they're just, you know, hardworking middle-class immigrants from Italy. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to give back to them. I wanted them to have a return on their investment because they pay for my schooling. And, and you know that, that flight training is not cheap. And so they spent a lot of money on my training. And before, obviously, I was diagnosed, and they would have done it in a heartbeat again. But, 
you know, I felt a sense of guilt, honestly, um, yeah. going through it and just feeling guilty that my parents just spend, and they were in between you and I, they, they, they took out money in their, in the house because they didn't have a hundred thousand dollars sitting around and they used the equity in their home, um, to get me through school. And so, uh, you know, I just carried that burden. I felt that weight and being diagnosed, going through all that and then feeling really shitty, excuse my language. Um, but feeling really bad because, um, you know, my, my parents sacrificed so much to get me to that point. And here's me. I felt like a failure, honestly, yeah. because I, I came, I came up short. All my friends were moving up and onto the airlines and I was kind of living vicariously through them. Uh, just coming back and hearing their stories and hearing what they had to say. And, you know, I was in my head in the beginning to be on, completely honest with you. I was jealous, um, of everybody that was gone. And I would make excuses in my head about why that's not where I want to be. The regionals don't pay enough. And I would make excuses in my head until I realized, you know what? Jealousy gets you nowhere in life. And the, the moment when you become, uh, you, you know, you, I guess what I'm trying to say is when you start being happy for others to succeed is when you're going to see yourself succeed and yeah. be happy in life yourself. You know, when I talked to them, I'd downplay what, you know, what they were doing or whatever. And it was just my own insecurities, and my own jealousies because I couldn't be where they were at 22, 23 years old. And so, yeah, there was a lot of, it, it was really personal. And then, you know, things turned for the better when I decided to change my attitude and look on the bright side and do something about it instead of just sitting there and complaining. Yeah, that's cool. That's uh, that could be an inspiration to other people going through the same Definitely. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I had so. a similar experience when I got hired at the airline. I'll, uh, when you read my book, you'll uh, you'll understand. I uh, I compared myself because I always felt like I had the I had the scores to go to pilot training in the Navy, but I didn't trust myself. I didn't think I was smart enough. I thought I'd blow it, you know, halfway through a pre-flight, and so there I I took the path of least resistance, went in as an en enlisted man, and ended up going into uh, naval aviation and flying as a radar operator with guys who were like two years older than me as pilot. They were the, they were the flight crew. They were the captain and the co-pilot and I'm the enlisted guy in the back. And ever since that day, these guys were my heroes. Naval aviators have been my heroes. And that's awesome. And so, and even when I flew with the airline and with NetJets, I would sit alongside these guys and, and look over and say, these guys don't know that I think you're a hero. You know, so, <laughs> that's right. Then, yeah, I but was, it was really cool. And then I got to be as a captain. I'd fly with the co-pilots who were my 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 real hero was a Naval Academy graduate jet fighter pilot. That was my ultimate hero. So I would fly with these guys, and they didn't know that I was uh, there. I had this hero worship thing going on. And then I became an FAA Czech Airman, and my self-image got boosted Im immensely i mean not that i was suffering but it it was interesting then because as a as an airman check airman i would see these guys made the same dumb mistakes i did you yeah, know I felt good, right? fighter pilots naval academy <laughs> graduates you right, know right. So, so i said yeah i'm not so bad after all right exactly yeah you feel a little bit more human right yeah exactly <laughs> so it was uh, it was a lot of fun yeah and, that's great and I used so to that's walk where the hero that's where the everyday hero thing came from Hey, Pietro, this is an amazing story. Um, you know, it's so motivational and so inspiring for pilots who might be going through the same problems with uh, diabetes, and not just for pilots, but for anybody who's got diabetes, and to uh, discover and find out that there's a technology like this out there that uh, 
they can live a more or less normal life. So thanks, bud. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, Bert, it's a, it, it was more to me than flying. Like I said to you before, it was, it was, it was more than that. It was just, it was getting to a point where I was upset and, and it was, it was, it made it, it came, it became personal to a point where I wanted to make sure that people knew that this was something that is obtainable. There's guys out there in the, in the flying world, as you know, uh, more better than I do that, that you look at them and you're like, wow, this guy carries a medical to fly the general public around. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then you look at yourself and, and you get tested every three months and you're, you know that you're fit and you're, and you're, you're safe and that, you know, you're, you're being denied. It just felt really unfair. That's great. After, That's after some dark days and some, some hard times, um, yeah. knowing that yeah. you were, you were fit to do this and you were told no because of a, uh, of a, of a illness that you had no control over getting in the first place. Uh, and, and now being able to, to come back and say, we made it is is everything to me. Well, my everyday heroes, that's a wrap for Pietro and, um, Thanks for listening, and if you have any comments or you can give me a review, I'd love to have one. Go to uh, everydayheroes at buzzsprout.com slash 955717. You can leave the review there, and uh, there's a whole bunch of other good podcasts, most of them aviation, but uh, just a little bit of everything there. So glad to have you here, and uh, glad you could hear Pietro's uh, miraculous recovery. 